0: Welcome to another episode of Reformation Roundtable. My name is Joe Stout, and I am bringing you the audio from our discussion night that took place on Thursday, April 15th, 2021. Reformation Roundtable is seeking to plant a Reformed Church in Lewis County, Washington, specifically in the Centralia-Chehalis area. There are no Reformed Churches. Uh, south of Olympia and north of Vancouver, and we'd like to see that problem fixed. So, over a year ago, we started doing these Reformation Roundtable discussions where we talk about theology, and we talk about the how the Reformation has really informed and blessed the world through their understanding of God and His, through His revealed Word. So, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Supper, and the Lord's Supper in the context of covenant renewal worship. Part of the prep for this discussion was to listen to a talk given by James Jordan on covenant renewal worship and why we do it the way we do. I'm going to go ahead and link to that talk. It's actually a podcast episode. Check the show notes for a link to that, and you'll be blessed to listen to it for sure. Suffice it to say, though, we talked about a number of different things during this discussion time. We talked about what the regulative principle is. And so, Because of the regulative principle, what type of worship must be held by the regulative principle? We talked about what makes for a covenant renewal service. And then we kind of got into some of the nitty-gritty as to who should be admitted to the table. And when you're talking about being admitted to the table, you have to talk about what is the difference between open communion, and closed communion. What is the definition of those things? Um, How old should someone be to come to the Lord's table? Should those with mental uh, disabilities be allowed to partake of the Lord's Supper? Uh, How often should we do it? Should we use wine? Should we use leavened bread? Uh, Are there blessings and curses connected with the meal? We get into lots and lots of the details of it, and we um, also spend a lot of time in the Gospel accounts of the Lord's Supper, as well as uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and, of course, 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, I hope you're blessed by the discussion. I hope you are blessed and you join us in our quest to see a a Reformed Church planted here in Lewis County. And if you'd like to know more, head on over to lewiscounty.church, and you will find all of the information there, and you'll also find a contact form. And if you fill out that contact form, it will come directly to me, and I'll get you on the email list, and uh, we'll bring you into the fold. So that's enough for me. We're going to go ahead and turn it over to the discussion, and I hope you're blessed by it.
1: All right, Lake, you want to open us up in prayer?
2: Sure. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for who you are and what you've done on our behalf, Lord. We just ask that you'd be with us and please guide us and help us to uh, study your word and study it right, Lord, and honor one another and respect each other as we discuss these Sometimes very controversial topics, Lord. And we just ask that giving you honor and praise would be our intention tonight and our goal. We ask you for your wisdom and your help. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: <laughs> Amen. Earlier in the week, I uh, sent out an email that uh, had a link to a talk by James Jordan on um, liturgical theology. Specifically, it wasn't only specifically about uh, the communion, wasn't only about the Lord's Supper, but it was about covenant renewal worship. And since the Lord's Supper is kind of the apex of covenant renewal worship, he spent quite a bit of time um, just in biblical theology on that. Um, did... I, I i put some notes down here on about the first half of it because I I've listened to it a couple times and then today I started to listen to it again and just write down some notes and I didn't I didn't quite get as much as much of the notes on, on down here as I would like to but I hope that this will kind of help spur our minds as we think about some of the things that he was talking about um, and then I've got a bunch of questions below um, we're gonna look we're gonna be in First Corinthians ten tonight. Uh, as well as 1 Corinthians 11, 17-33. Those were a couple of real, real well-known passages on, on the Lord's Supper. Uh, and then on the back of the sheet, I have the three instances side-by-side side of Jesus, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke talking about or instituting the Lord's Supper. Um, so we'll, we'll look at those as well. Um, before I open it up to everybody's thoughts, I'd just like to go quickly through these kind of notes that I had put together here. Uh, which you have in front of you. Uh, I like how when when Jordan was talking, he was he was talking about how in uh, he started off his talk for those of you guys who, who didn't get a chance to listen to it. He started off his talk talking about how in um, seminary there wasn't a lot of ta- there wasn't a lot of classes on liturgy itself. So you would learn kind of how to do a wedding or a funeral, um, but usually the things that that you would talk about would be the things that we don't do. So, you know, it's not a, we don't have an altar. You know, if people talk about there being an altar, make sure you correct them. It's not an altar, it's a table. And, and he agreed that that was correct. But he, he made what I thought was kind of an interesting idea, or connected interesting idea, that as reform folks, and as those who are, you know, persuaded of the covenant renewal form of worship, we have a ton to add to the liturg- liturgical theology space. And we've been fairly silent on it. And you, instead, you get these highly liturgical places like the Episcopal Church, the Catholic Church, a lot of Lutheran churches, uh, Eastern Orthodox churches, and their theology is just not good. And that uh, we could have so much benefit to the church as a whole if we would engage with the topic of liturgical theology. And um, and so then he kind of went from there. But I, I thought that was an interesting thing to look at because oftentimes when we think about liturgy or high liturgy or even any liturgy at all, when we immediately think, that seems Catholic, you know, because we've associated Roman Catholicism with liturgy. And that's an unfortunate, that's an unfortunate connection. So um, I I was encouraged by that idea. Like there's a lot of, a lot of ground that we need to cover and how we proceed in the order of our service really matters. And so this is this is really good discussion. We're, of course, going to talk about things we just just prayed. We're, we're going to talk about things we don't all agree on. They're controversial things. But the reason why we're doing it is because we want to bring God glory. And he is, he is glorified so much in the way we worship. That's one of the primary ways in which we glorify him is through our worship. So, um, so then, then he moved from there into... Um, he talked about how all of the Bible is covenant renewal. The, the, the service of covenant renewal uh, mirrors the history of the Bible. The history of the Bible is one in which man has fallen out of covenant with God through sin and God calls him back into his presence and changes him and feeds him and basically raises him up from the dead. And that's what our covenant renewal worship is saying. Um, we fall out of sin and then we're brought back into fellowship and that theme is found Um, as the main theme of Scripture, and then in countless sub-themes throughout Scripture. scripture. And that's really what the picture of covenant renewal worship is. Um, Another thing that he had talked about that I thought was really good um, is he was talking about the flow of worship and how the flow of worship and the flow of history is the same. Um, We start off the service on our knees, confessing our sin to God, and we end the service... By sitting down to a piecemeal with God. So there's this theme, this, this transition, the flow of tension to rest. And that, that theme, again, comes all throughout Scripture. And we, we um, mimic it or we, we um, show it in, in uh, real time during our worship. And then, of course, he moved on to his discussion on bread and wine. Um, and he, he, he stayed quite a while on this idea that bread... And wine in the Lord's Supper are two distinct activities that are going on. A lot of times we think as Christians that it's the Lord's Supper is one thing, but that it's actually two things. And, and we're, we'll, we'll get into this on, when we look at the back of the sheet here. But, but it's actually two things, and it's saying two different, it's saying two um, subsequent things. The first is that bread is priestly and that wine is kingly. And, and his idea behind that is that the, the, the priests in the old covenant were never allowed to have wine. They were never allowed to sit down. But What they were allowed to have is is bread, of course. And they they were they oversaw that uh, they oversaw the um, the sacrifices and were priests over that. Just a second, my boy. Um, and that wine is something that came after. We get out of the priestly period and into the kingly period, the time of kings, when um, uh, when wisdom is the order of the day, and not just simply following directions. The priests had to follow to the letter of the law. They had no, they had you know if it's if a man comes in and he's got this color spot on his arm and this is what the hair looks like, this is what you do, or if somebody does this sin, then this is the this is the way you sacrifice this animal and has to be on a day like this and the animal has to look like this. The priests followed to of T, exactly what God told them to do. But the kings didn't. The kings were given latitude. They were given discretion. When Solomon came up with his idea of chopping a baby in half, that he was not following the law of God in doing that. He was exercising wisdom in them. So it goes from obedience, Jesus says do this, into Wisdom, when you do this, uh, priestly service means obedience. Priests are under the law. You got, we've got one for you right over here. With the, spot. Yeah, okay. priests are under the law. You're, you're told exactly what to do and how to do it. Kingly wisdom is given far more discretion. Uh, with the bread, Jesus says, "Do this." With the wine, Jesus says, "Do this." And let me tell you about what it means and how it connects with the with the new covenant. Now, those were some of the some of the notes that I wrote down. In re- in connection with the talk that James Jordan gave, uh, I'd love to hear for those of you guys who were able to listen to it. I'd love to hear what you guys thought about it, and then and then we can dive into the uh, we can dive into the, the scripture. Charles, did you have a question?
3: Yeah. <clears throat> when you said priests can't sit down, did you mean they literally can't sit down?
0: W- when they're acting in their priestly in their priestly duties, they were they had to stand. And that's why it was so significant when Jesus ascended into heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of God the Father.
4: Well, when I heard uh, Jordan talking about this, I thought it was very theoretical. He was almost joking. Now, it could have some significance. He may have, well, obviously he observed it. But it's not doctrinal. Although, you know, in what he was also saying, if you take wine, you're very brave and ready to fight and go to it. (laughs) So that made me think that uh, he was... Advancing this merely as speculation. Hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. Y- yeah, I kind of uh, piggyback on what Wink said there. I, I found moments where I was going, yeah, I agree. And then immediately there would be a statement after I'd go, hmm, I don't know if that's actually biblical. And so one of the things that I, uh, I, I guess I want to make sure of is that the primary grievance that Christ had against the Pharisees and the Sadducees was in fact that the, they were adding to the law. They were taking and they were going and there were things that were written in the law and then, and then they would take and they would expand on and expand on and expand, expand on it to the point where... It was no longer what God had called for. And so I think anytime that we legislate something, we need to be very careful as to not creating a legalistic approach or an ideology that is tied to something, like you were saying, that's more theoretical in, in nature. So I thought that there were kind of some leaps that were made. Um, do, you, do you remember any of them? Um, yeah, actually, the, the the one primarily where we were talking about bread be bread is priestly and wine is kingly. I mean, the the actual like assigning those uh, descriptions to those elements of worship. Um, uh, the bread, as far as I understand, is the body of Christ, and the wine is the blood shed. And so, to to then take and start making. To making additional connections that are beyond that, I think that I I don't know if it I don't want to impose unnecessary uh an un- unnecessary connections where connections don't need to be made, right? Because it's it's a it's a it's a memorial. It's done as a memorial and as a remembrance to his death. So anyway, I've talked enough here, but that I, I can I can tell you that that for me. I can see how you can make that connection, but I don't know if it's actually legitimate.
0: So you think he was saying that it's not the body of Christ, it's it's a priest? No,
6: I think he's saying that it's both. I think he's saying I think he's adding I think he's adding potential meaning beyond what it what it is. So he's saying it's the body of Christ certainly. I don't and he would, and I I know that he would look at me and be like, "You know, you're crazy." If I No, he is not denying that. He's saying that that is a that is a a tool of remembrance for the body of Christ. What I'm saying is that there were some old covenant connections being made to priestliness and kingliness that I don't necessarily think are accurate to assign to those elements. Go
4: i got to back up a little bit. I think James uh, Jordan's point was that the people, Christians, are themselves kingly that we can take on this. And I uh, might point out that in Exodus, there's no provision whatsoever for a king yeah. over the people. There's the high priest, but God is always the king. And another side note, when Jesus called the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the lawyers, children of the devil, he was referring to their Talmud. They had and had then completely rejected the Torah in favor of their some 400 and some traditions and their argues back and forth. The Talmud is now 32 volumes. And in it, it's an absolute expression of hatred for Christianity and Christians. As far as they're concerned, a Christian doesn't even have a soul. And that is today, the thought. I don't know about, it. but in, among the Zionists So, so
0: what's, the, uh, what's the connection to the Lord's Supper and looking at the themes in the old, co- in the old covenant of bread and wine throughout,
4: throughout the old covenant? Well, bread and wine were sacrificial elements, and that's all they were. I know that when it talks about meat, it actually meant bread, and when it talked about sacrifices and burnt offerings, those were the animals. I thought that was kind of interesting. They were elements of sacrifice, and Jesus gave his body and his blood as elements of sacrifice in payment of that debt that we couldn't pay.
0: One of the interesting things, and, and maybe this is, in, in, as I put down notes here, it would, it would be helpful for me, for those of you guys who haven't heard it, um, his connection to bread being priestly and wine being kingly was in the modern evangelical or Lutheran or Episcopalian or Catholic. Most people, he, he was making the case that most people don't follow the Lord's Supper the way the Lord instituted it. They 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 don't they, they do all kinds of different creative things with it. They he kind of went through and said this is how the Lutherans do it. This is how the Episcopalians do it. But the way Jesus said to do it was he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks for it. And then he uh, then later on he gave the example of an hour later, but just basically after they'd eaten some more and later on he took the cup and he told them about it. He gave he gave thanks for that as well. So there was basically two rituals, two prayers, and that in seeing those two rituals and those two prayers, there are things that we can be taught. <coughs> so he wasn't so much saying like, hey, um, bread only means priestly, priestly obedience, and wine only means kingly wisdom. But he was saying that when we smash it all together and you give people bread and wine and, and um, tell them that to take it at the same time, or you have them dip their bread in the wine, or you put it in a spoon and you spoon it into their mouth, or however these different various traditions do it, they're not following it the way Jesus taught us to do it. And that in the Old Covenant, we were told exactly what to do. In the New Covenant, we have got largely none of those sacrifices to do anymore, and the one that we do have to do, we usually don't follow it the way he told us to do it. So why don't we turn Why don't we turn over and just, and before we talk about too much more of the thoughts people have on his talk. Let's read through um, the uh, the gospel accounts. Charles.
3: Um, If Jesus broke the bread and then a while later um, distributed the wine, why don't we break the bread at the beginning and then do the wine at the end? Good question. Because that's the way that he did it.
0: Let's, uh, let's read through. That's a good question, Charles. We can, we can talk about that. Let's go ahead and read um, through um, Matthew's account. Uh, Kirby, you want to read Matthew's account? Oh, I've got another one here.
1: And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broken, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom.
0: Great. Uh, Ron, you want to read uh, Mark for us?
1: As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them sa- and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he
0: took the cup, and when he had given thanks, she gave it to them, and they all drank of it from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Perfect. Charles, you want to do Luke for us?
3: -hmm. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and, and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, and th- this do in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you.
0: All right, so slightly different uh, variations of the same, same the event.
3: They said he took the cup twice in this.
0: Right. Um... So he said at the beginning here, or Luke records at the beginning, what he said at the end of Matthew and Mark. And he
3: records
0: it at the end, too. Yeah. Um, Matthew and Mark, he says, I will not drink of it until um, that day when I drink anew in the kingdom of God. And Luke, he says, it at the beginning. Um, so as we, as we look through this, one of the things we see right away is that there are two things going on. There's the bread and there's the wine. Andrew, I'm, I'm totally good. If we don't preach sermons on bread being priestly and the king in the in the wine being kingly, but we do see two things going on here. We see two writ two two times that we eat together, and two times that um, that we're to pray over this. Um, in your guys's uh, experience, how often have you been a part of churches that do it in those stages as Jesus set it out?
6: Well, I. I've been in churches that have done it that way, but with no explicit statement as to why it was done. So there wasn't actually anything that I was, I was not aware of a reason. But for. they actually did the, the bread, prayed. For yep. It. So you take, it. you'd take you'd take nice. the bread, you'd pray, and then you would continue the yeah. you continue in, in the reading of one of these accounts there, sure. or
0: the or the Corinthians. Right. So. Yeah. No, that's good. That's great. I mean, a lot of churches don't, but the fact that, that you went to a church that did thats that's excellent. What were some other, other people's experiences?
1: I've probably been in more of it. Just passed them out, prayed, and then took the bread yeah. and the juice at the same time.
5: Yeah. I've,
1: but I have been in some day. did it.
5: Some There's been um, occasions when I've been uh, asked to preach on a communion Sunday in our church we do it once a month okay. the first Sunday of the month and if if I were happened to be assigned the pulpit that Sunday my typical approach is to um, use use I usually go to 1 Corinthians 11 sure but we would do we would do the 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 bread element and say that you know yeah. go through that give thanks and then I would have the folks partake of that right. and then I would continue on with the second right. portion of it right. and it just seemed it was rather intuitive I guess or something it just seemed like that was yeah. the way to do it so we would all take the take the bread element and then I would continue with that portion of the scripture and then have them take the, the juice, mm-hmm. we didn't do wine it was right. fruit juice or something right? but I was raised Catholic too so we did Things very. You didn't get one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we got the host, no wine. No wine. We we'll watched the, right. we'll watch the priest. We the priest. We didn't get any wine, at least not back then.
7: Yeah. I've been to services you know, that, that it had wine and juice, and I believe the reason that they like the idea of wine, symbolically, it's got, got a bite to it. Great juice is kind of sweet. Death is not sweet, but wine has a bite. And death was not the end of Christ, but it, it was a bite. You know what I mean? Mm. Maybe it was somehow mm. perceived as symbolic. Gotcha. And that's why they purposefully right. um, chose wine.
0: Would Would they do the bread and the wine together or distinctly?
7: Well, that was so many years ago. I mean, they did it at the same time, but two sure. separate presentations.
0: Right. It wasn't like that it came by and you grabbed the wine and the bread at the same time and right. did them both at the same time got, you
7: yeah. know.
4: In the reformed church in Ontario, it would be only the elders who handled the elements. The minister would say the blessing first for the wine and then for the bread, but it was passed out separately one to the other. And we had wine, and for those who were recovering from alcoholism or something, there would be great juice for them. In Handwaver Church. It, we forget the next church, so the Ontario
0: church, is, that's the one you used to be a part of? Or? It's the latest reform.
4: Okay. I'm kind of like a pinball on a pinball machine. My life has been ding, 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 all over the place. From okay. the cult to finally reformed, to finally reconstructionist. Okay. okay.
0: But you actually were going to this church, the Ontario church? Yes, I okay. remember. Oh, that's the church
4: that you're a part of now. Right. I, I mean, my membership is still valid, although I'm... Is that the
0: one out in Edna? No, 1,000 oh. miles away. Oh, okay. Uh, it is actually in
4: Ontario.
1: It's the one in
0: Ontario okay.
4: okay, gotcha. Yeah, not Canada, but California. Gotcha, okay. So okay. there Nigeria. it was separate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they had wine. And remember that this was... The occasion was the Passover. That Jesus and the disciples were celebrating When God had passed over them in Egypt. Uh, at other... So the church where, I, where I'm attending right now, they're handed out separately, but they have kids pick them up And At R.C. Sproul in St. Andrews, it was the elders and it was a very solemn ceremony. Mm. And I think liturgy means order of service. What do you do? You know, a hymn, greetings, four hymns, the sermon, the communion. It was once a month at Ontario, the Reformed Church. It's every week out at the church for I am at Boysford, which I don't know yeah. exactly what doctrine we have. Yeah. So there are different assemblies. The, and some, uh, like the Lutherans and Martin Luther, the fact that he wouldn't even, that the, the hold was, host was actually the body and blood of Christ. He felt right. that he wasn't worried to hold it. No, it is not. It is, but it is a commemorative. It's, it's more than trivial. It's a sacrament and I can't get a grip on it myself.
6: Right, <laughs> but yeah, you you would you would agree that it's not transubstantiation or consubstantiation that it actually occurred uh-uh. Yeah. It, no.
4: I, no. It's neither we're not us. putting Jesus in the oven and cooking. Correct. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't become Jesus, or the bread doesn't become Jesus. Cook. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, a That's that's a crazy I used to
8: to, uh, the RC, at least in Olympia, where we were attending regularly last. And typically, what we would do is there'd be there'd be a prayer, prayer for communion, and then usually it would be elders and deacons that would, that would have the elements, and people would come up, and we would say a blessing as people took the elements, but then they would usually take them back to their seat, and then the minister would usually, the pastor would usually say a blessing, take the bread, say a blessing, take the juice. Yeah. But it was juice and bread, right? But then they got a little bit concerned because there was a, Gluten free has been a big thing. There are a few people who can't have any gluten. You know, even little pieces, they felt like they needed to exclude. And it's like, oh, now we need a gluten free option. I kind of felt like that was stretching it, but I think maybe I don't know. Maybe the people that needed that would would disagree. I don't know. Right. That was that was our experience.
7: I have a kind of question. How much is it's symbolic and we need to follow it, but how far do you follow it? And mm-hmm.
8: Mm-hmm.
7: what determines how far you follow it? <laughs> I think that's kind of the gist of the whole
4: discussion. Right. We should take it seriously. This was the turning point in the history of the world. I think that's most of it. <laughs> Just do in remembrance of me, but remember me. Right.
7: And yep. if we wanted to do it exactly the way they did, Matthew says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: So should we have a big meal? And then in the middle of the meal, we should, you know, how far do you go? Yep. to
4: try to Well, the, the, the Corinthians later on, they were showing up drunk. <laughs> it says eat at home if you're going to be that way.
7: And it was unleavened bread, I believe. And I've been to some services that they have just simply used a loaf bread and cut it up into in pieces. Yeah, is the fact that it is unleavened, symbolic, and therefore meaning in the in the unleavened nature of it? I, I've heard sermons that have said yes.
0: Let's go to Corinthians ten. Um, we'll start with one Corinthians ten. We're gonna we're just gonna read all of one Corinthians ten. Not not because it's all, um, I mean it's it's all obviously informs exactly what we're talking about here. But there's and then and then we will move on into one Corinthians 11, 17 through thirty three. Les, do you want to take, uh, you want to take the, uh, the big uh, section there in Corinthians?
5: Sure. What am I reading? I'm sorry. Oh, no, say. that's okay. Uh, 1 okay. Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians, 1st Corinthians yeah. 10? The whole thing. You want me to read it fast? Yeah. Okay. Speed reading. <clears throat> For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was christ nevertheless with most of them god was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and twenty three thousand fell in a single day we must not put christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the age has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to you. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless is not—is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are they not are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean that your conscience, but hit I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. Not seeking my own advantage, that of many, that they may be, uh, that they may be saved, be Thank imitators you. of Christ as I am of Christ.
0: Thank you. All right. So I know that's a long passage, and it's not all. It doesn't seem to all directly connect with the Lord's Supper specifically, but he starts off with this Old Testament, this Old Covenant example of the Israelites passing through the Red Sea, and that passing through the Red Sea was their baptism. And then they're in the desert, and they're drinking the cup of Christ, which is which is from the rock, the water from the rock. And they're eating spiritual, or they're eating physical bread from heaven, which is their, um, which is which was from, from God as well. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Um, and yet, in the, in, the, in the face of all of this, God was not pleased with most of them. Um, but then, it, it, further on down, and we read the whole thing there so we could kind of keep it all in context... As we, as we continue to look through here, um, we talk about, uh, as we go down, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. So this is, this is a table for the people who belong to Jesus. This is for people who, who love Jesus. And then he, um, then he says, um, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So Paul is, Paul is making a connection here that we're all bread, therefore we all t- partake of the bread. Because that's what the Israelites did, that's what we do. We pass through the Red Sea. That was one of the things that, that Jordan talked about that I thought was so, so key. The, the, the history of God's people, the history of the world, is our history. It's not the history of the Jews. It's our history. It's it's ours because we've been grafted into that olive tree, and so because of that, these these things were written, as he says in First Corinthians 10. Here, these things were written for our uh, benefit, so that we might be obedient uh, uh, as for our example. They were they were written for our example. Um, so as we think about this, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 11 after this, but what, what are some of your guys' thoughts as we read through that big section of, of, of t- chapter 10 as it relates to the actual Lord's the Lord's Supper, the, the, the table of the Lord? Anything jump out are, to you guys? What, what, are you, what are you trying to, I guess, what are you trying to, are we, are we still
6: talking about the, as it pertains to the, distinction of the elements within the worship service
0: or we're, we're kind of moving we're moving beyond that uh, okay. or not not beyond it like it's like we figured it out but we're just going to move we're moving on to like it, we're getting we're going to the first question I have on here is what is the regulative principle we talked about right. it a little bit uh, was it last week or maybe it was yeah the week before. yeah regulative versus already exactly right um, and so we have to take the scripture which is not always terribly clear exactly what we're supposed to do in 21st century America we're supposed to take that, and that's supposed to completely shape what we do. And so, 1 Corinthians 10 has a lot to say about the Lord's Supper. We're familiar with 1 Corinthians 11, 17-33. Um,
4: I'd say the principle here is don't worship idols. Yeah. Let your attention be on God, it's the first commandment. Okay, yeah, so I, when, yeah, I when I hear that
6: too, or when we read that, it's we're giving context for how we got to present day, mm-hmm. and now we get to present day here, and uh, no man can serve two masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically right. it's a it's a reiteration of that, and also, it, it, but it's a reiteration of that in the context right. of the Lord's supper, which right. is to say that, yeah, you can't just you can't just serve Christ and approach the table here without getting uh, without judgment if you're over here. Drinking of the cup of demons or idols. So I I think that this is more of a more of a warning to the to the Christian. If I were to try and provide some hermeneutical element to it, I'd be saying, "Well, for the Christian today, it's hey, like you need to check yourself, (laughs) right? Right? Make sure that make sure that you're uh, not worshiping other gods." and that you're not provoking God to jealousy because this is serious.
0: Yeah. Would you also, do do we think, do we feel like it's safe to say that by partaking in this cup of the Lord, by partaking of the bread and the cup, that you are exposing yourself to his anger in a way that you might not have if you'd never partaken of it? I mean you're exposing yourself obviously to his blessing as well, but like God is not mocked. Is that do we get that theme here that God is not mocked?
2: If you're unworthy to be, correct me. Yeah, yeah, I think so.
5: Yeah, I mean Paul saying that even the, talking about the sacrament, it's subordinate to the gospel. I mean, mm-hmm. it's about faith. It's about that's that's the bottom line. Because remember, he's addressing these Corinthians because of. Because there's a group that's so yeah. arrogant and so right. powerful and they're, right. they're demarcating and doing all that. And Paul is trying to counter that and right. and remind them of certain things. And, and a lot of, you know, they're in Corinth, so there's a whole lot of Gentiles here. Yet he still makes that connection with the Old Testament too. Right.
0: So. Yeah, excellent. But, but we agree that the people of God are the people at the table. Just like in the Old Covenant, it was the people of God in the wilderness. They were the ones that were fed the spiritual food, many of whom God was not pleased with, but it was still God's people that were that were being fed and being and, and drinking drinking from Christ. Okay, so the regular principle seems to seems to seems to kind of give that as kind of a basis for the Lord's Table is for God's people, and that's a very broad that's a very broad way of saying it. But the Lord's Table is for God's people; those who have been baptized through the Red Sea in the Old Covenant or um, um, or today we have to figure out who comes to the table, which we're going to get to in, in just a second. Um, any other thoughts on? We can always come back to First Corinthians. Said I'd like to get First Corinthians eleven um, on the table as well, so that as we read through some of these questions, we've got there's more relevant passages than just this. But we at least have those the, those uh, three big ones. Yeah, Wayne, go ahead.
4: Oh i have drawing a blank. We've got the regulative principle and what other? Normative. So normative. Normative. Would you mind defining? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, well, I've been doing a lot of talking. Anybody want to take a whack at reg- the regulative principle? Jordan actually talks about the regulative principle in in that talk. He gives a distinction that I'm sure people would argue with. <laughs>
7: so
1: so it's, uh,
0: yeah. So the
6: the short version of. My understanding of regulative principle is regulative principle is saying that we are going to arrange our worship service in such a way that it is not based on our preferences, but what God's preferences are for how the liturgy and uh, and our worship should be conducted in particular as it relates to the Lord's Day worship. Whereas normative principle gives a little bit more latitude for uh, cultural influence over how the uh, expression of worship takes place. The principles themselves are not something that are uh, black and white in the sense that it is either on or off, there is a bit of a spectrum that occurs between them and so you can find yourself on the very far end. The easiest one way to kind of help define it is typically through uh, the type of singing that's done. So those that would only sing the Psalms in the Lord's Day worship would be on the very hard regulative principle side. Whereas those who would sing- Which
0: which is, anything not expressly commanded is prohibited. Correct. In a nutshell, anything not expressly commanded is prohibited. Whereas on the normative side, you would get
6: um, something like Hillsong or Elevation Worship. Uh, things that are uh, m- more modernized and more... demand Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, that's, yeah. that's my... That's my I,
2: I would add there, too, that people who hold to the normative principle would say, you cannot worship God in any way that he... Explicitly commands against, so they would throw that it Would be like you know we don't if God says don't do this, we don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know they would put that in there. So they're they would basically you know you're free to worship God however you desire as long as it doesn't explicitly contradict something He's prohibited. Correct. And then you know they kind of work their way up from there.
0: In in Jordan kind of made the point. He said that the reason why the regulative principle is important, properly defined, because he was not saying anything expressed, anything not commanded is expressly forbidden. He said, but the the reason why it's so important is because, uh, because we are um, depraved, we corrupt everything we touch. And the thing we're going to corrupt more than anything is the worship of God. That's going to be the thing that's going to be most, we're most likely to corrupt. And so we have to hold to Scripture as closely as we, you know, with wisdom can. Um, Charles, you want to say something?
3: Um, <clears throat> so, if Anything that God does not um, say that we can do is prohibited. Does that mean um, just in worship or in your everyday life? Because right. He doesn't command us to eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich for lunch. Right. So is that prohibited?
0: Yeah, you can never have a PBJ. Sorry. That's why we have the time of confession.
8: Right. Yeah. Have
0: every- for all those wanted PBJs. Well, oh yeah, go ahead, Kirby.
1: I had a discussion the other day with someone, and they were talking about minister uh, in a Germany, or maybe Poland whole there back during the uh, Nazi, um, you know, World War II, um, and the guy was uh, was killed in a concentration camp. But he had he was of the conviction that uh, there is no harmonizing in. Oh,
6: Bonhoeffer, 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 I mean, yeah. Bonhoeffer,
0: low there's, Harmony.
1: There's <laughs> no, but, but apparently he enjoyed listening to, like, music outside of the Lord's Day worship, but he, but his right. was, you must be a one voice.
0: Yeah, no four-point harmony.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. That's a, that's a good example. Yeah, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, the the regulative principle depending on how far you want to take it doesn't allow women to have come to the lord's table. it uh, doesn't allow there to be a sermon in the in church because scripture doesn't explicitly say to have a sermon. So the the regulative principle can be definitely abused and I I'm all for the regulative principle but I'm also I understand that you, know, you can do some wacky things with it that we should never do with it. So I think that scripture absolutely should absolutely inform um, our covenant renewal worship. Now, the reason why the regulative principle is the first question, and the second question is this. What types of worship must be held by the regulative principle, and what kinds don't? Now, Jordan gives his opinion, or his, his take on it, and I think, it was, I think it's helpful. And we have to realize that a lot of this stuff we're going to have to just kind of decide, like, hey, we're going to do it this way, and we're going to pray for conviction if we're wrong. <laughs> but, he, but basically, he said where the regulative principle needs to apply is when you're engaging in covenant renewal worship. How do you know if you're engaging in covenant renewal worship? If you're taking the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. If you're taking the Lord's Supper, it's covenant renewal worship. And the regulative principle applies. Which is why, Charles, when you're sitting around the campfire at night with your family, Everybody can. Everybody can can pray. Everybody can read some scripture. Everybody can can give uh, can give a uh, uh, can give encouragement. You know, kind of give encouragement to one another. And um, and there aren't any of the distinctions that we have for for Lord's Day worship or Covenant Renewal worship because it's the Lord's Supper that we're leading up to that is informing this. So when we talk about women in worship. We're talking specifically about covenant renewal worship. We're not talking about prayer meeting. We're not talking about Bible study. We're talking about covenant renewal worship. So my what,
3: question was, does that... Yeah, does you that can mean- have as many
0: PBJs as your dad will let you. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so yeah, the regular principle does not have anything to say about your PBJ consumption. It has to do with when you come into worship, this is how
5: okay. you it, should approach God. It
1: probably wouldn't allow you to have a few of butter and jellies. Me, you know. <laughs>
5: exactly. That's,
0: yeah. Very true. <laughs>
5: yeah. Joe, um, why why do we need covenant renewal? My my wife asked me that this morning. We, yeah. We listened to the tape. And, okay. And That's when that, cool. I said I would ask. Her.
0: Yeah. So so um why can I can I rephrase it as why do we need to renew covenant? Uh, Is that okay? Yeah. Sure. Well, I'll just I just want to use those. A she, change she's
5: talk, you know she was. Saying you know, I, I thought we were grafted in. I thought we were right. you know, fixed and all yeah. of that. So I said, well, that's Joe. joke. Uh, the group.
0: Yeah, uh, one of the questions I would ask, Socratically, would be, why do we need to confess our sins? We've it's already been mm-hmm. they've already been forgiven, but we need to confess them, and God needs us to confess them. But our salvation doesn't hang in the balance. But mm-hmm. the act of living in. In covenant with God means that when we sin, we confess, and we know, we believe He's faithful and just to forgive us. So we renew covenant with God for the same reason that God, why, why did God make the covenant with Noah after he, he flooded the earth? He made that covenant with Noah, not because Noah did anything to deserve the covenant, but because God is a a covenant-keeping God. So we want to be like God. We want to see the covenant he's made with us, and we want to continually reconnect with him in that. And we, I, I'm convicted that the Lord's Supper is how we do that. We renew that covenant with God through the Lord's Supper. And in doing that, we are, we are reminded, and God is reminded that we are his people. Even though it, it seems odd to think that God would need to be reminded. Yeah. He, he doesn't need to be reminded because he forgets. But we're, we call out to him and say, remember your servant. Remember your co- the covenant you made to me. And God says, yes, I will remember. When he put that rainbow in the sky, that's not for us. It's for him. He says, when I see the rainbow in the sky, I will remember my covenant that I won't destroy the earth again.
5: So I answered it. Right. There's some old I jokes, answered it for, I answered it.
4: That might not be too funny to your wife.
5: But, you can deal with her, man. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> well, her you're herself. the one that's going to be the
4: interface. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, an old farmer got married. Or, pardon me, young farmer got married. He was very street. So they're riding along in the wagon. And uh, he told the mule to stop. And the mule didn't stop. And he upshot the mule. And she said, oh, I blew it already. <laughs> eh, anyway, uh, no, he's driving along. And the mule didn't mind. He said, that's once, and went on a little bit further, and the mule didn't mind again. It was a gee or a holler or something. He didn't go left or right, so he shot the mule. And his wife said, why'd you do that? And he said, that's once. (laughs) Uh, But no, I guess it's a different thing. Uh, It's where men don't like to hear things a couple times, and women can say the same thing over and over again and they're communicating each time something different although they say the same words so it's a guy that uh told his wife when they got married he says i love you and he said if anything changes i'll let you know but women have to hear it time after time god wants us to exercise ourselves it's not in our nature to love our wives and that's why we're commanded to do it so we have to refresh
5: so that's contrary to what James Jordan is kind of and maybe yeah. I'm off track because he I remember he talked about the presby the hardcore presbyterian preacher whose liturgy was you know we me, do me, this me, we me. we 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 are commissioned we 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 and he said well let me tell you what my order service looks like god calls us mm-hmm you know, God forgives us of our sins, you know, and it's God, 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 Mm -hmm. that that kind of, that centrality of God in in the thing, which I appreciated and I liked. My my answer to Kay was, I said, you know, listen, you know, throughout, in the course of our day, let alone a whole week, we do things that cause us to stand a guilty distance from God. Mm -hmm. And this is just a, this is a manner of all of us God I mm-hmm. guess but also us being reminded that we do belong to him and we don't want to offend him yeah um, the the place the thing that Jordan said that caused me to start breaking out in the rash was um, when he when he talked about confession and then the minister or whoever was conducting the service giving absolution and i yeah. and I was like ah you know I I, I I went oh I don't like that yeah because it's so you know, there's some papist orientation to some to some of this stuff, you know. And I was like, uh, you know, I don't I don't receive my absolution from a man. Mm. Period. Uh, at least that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, you know well, what I mean? He, he, I think it might he might have just maybe misspoke, and I don't want to be too crazy about. Right. it. But that jumped out at me because I'm I am sensitive to that. Yeah. Because of my former. Uh, but Roman but the Catholic. minister
8: does pronounce the absolution, right? Yeah, I was thinking about our liturgy, and we actually have the liturgy set where the minister will proclaim, hey, your sins are forgiven. Yeah,
5: yeah, as, as, uh, as
6: the minister is not forgiving your sins,
5: though. As an announcement. Well, right. But the way he said it, I just... Yeah. Heard. I'm wondering okay. if he's talking about the same thing. And I'm being a bit tongue-in-cheek, okay? Yeah. You know me. <laughs> sure. sure. But, I, uh, but I, that did kind of jump out at me. I was like... um,
6: let you keep on and on one of the, my favorite parts of that whole that whole uh, segment there, which was when he was talking about how the how the order of service was God. If, if you're truly of a reformed disposition, none of this is a work that you are inciting God to do something. This is all stuff that God does to you. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the same way, if we were to kind of go back to the uh, to the Exodus story. uh the Red Sea was not parted by Moses. It was parted by God. Amen. Yeah. And the baptism happened, if we're to use that analogy, by God. God did that baptizing. Mm-hmm. Not you know, Moses didn't Moses was not there wasn't power in what Moses was doing. So with that, um he provides it, the supper. The, I, I think right? I think what I think what the or take on to what does the covenant renewal worship mean and why are we why are we why do we need covenant renewal worship? Um, I think in my mind, it's this, it's sort of the same question of asking, you know, yourself, well, why, I guess, why wouldn't we need it? Because we need God to constantly be Mm -hmm. our, our, our shelter, our strong fortress. And I think that these times of, uh, these times of reminder, and also these times of sort of like, I've, I've, we have the specific time that we've set aside. That while there isn't a separation between sacred and secular in the largest sense, we are going to make this time mm-hmm. a time where we're even more focused in on that. Um, so anyway, so when I, what I what I would say is that I mean any time could be a time of, of remembrance, but this is a time of, of corporate remembrance, which has a different feel. It's like going to a concert. Versus listening to something on the radio, when you're surrounded by other people, there is something different that happens there, um, and so I think that I think that that corporate experience in that um, breeds combination of accountability. It uh, reminds us that we're part of the family of god we're under we're all under the covenant or reflects on who our brothers and sisters are And so yeah we're
5: in on it. i mean it, the yeah. question was just a, you know it wasn't like i don't agree with this we're yeah i'm fully you know i appreciate the covenant renewal mm. i do i mean it's the evangelicalism is so off the tracks now we don't know what we're doing and, <laughs> so this is really, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, it really is. You know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's
0: God the Father calling us into his presence and saying, I love you. Exactly. You're, you're my kids, and let me, let me just feed you.
5: And that's every covenant, every yeah. covenant. Yeah, uh, exactly. God reminding us that we're his, and he, he loves us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, thanks I, if I can
4: redeem myself for the bad jokes that I couldn't even remember. Too late, buddy. <laughs> Too late. It's kind of like the ship taking on barnacles. Unconfessed sin piles up, and the worse it gets, the farther away we get from God. We don't want to We dread that time of confession. Guilt, grace, and gratitude. If you don't agree with God that you've sinned, then you're, you're missing the first part of repentance. You have to agree. Oh, that was definitely mm-hmm. an affront to the Father. Oh, absolutely. Things pile up. And with me every day.
5: And you know. I like to debarnacle every day, you know. Honestly, I mean, covenant renewal. I, that's right. It, 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 Scrape them off. Maybe it's a personal, you know. It's personal. I, you know, in my prayer time daily, it's there's confession involved. In Amen. It. Absolutely. And,
0: and you know, covenant renewal worship is not just individual confession. It's us as a body coming right. before God corporately, saying, sure. "We have sinned. We have done this." You know. Yep. That's yep. why our confessions are generally set with the front mm-hmm. end. Yep. There
4: was a high priest for the people.
0: Um, let's talk about who should be admitted. That's, that's a big topic right there. Who should come to the table? And, and if I could just like kind of connect on to that, uh, if I even put it on here. Um, yeah, what, uh, what is closed communion? What is open communion? So just really quick, uh, we don't actually have to talk about closed communion versus open communion. But um, what we're talking about is not closed communion uh, because the CRC does not practice closed communion. Closed communion would be the idea that only those who are members of the church can come to the table. Uh, And that's not the way CREC does it. Um, They they have a pretty simple test to whether, test, when I say test, I I mean that tongue in cheek. It's not a test. But a pretty simple criteria for coming to the table, it's that you've been baptized and that you're not under discipline of your local church, so you haven't been excommunicated. Those are the two things, and if if you haven't been excommunicated and you have been baptized, you are allowed to come to the table. Now that is still open, that's still open communion. That's still an, an open table. It's not a closed table at all. Um, but it's, it is a bar. Um, every church has some type of bar that they put up to the table. They they fence it for lack of better words, in some way. So the question is: um, since we're not talking about closed communion, we're talking about open communion. So it's not our table, it's the Lord's table. It's not our local church's table, it's the Lord's table. So if you belong to Jesus in some way that we're all going to talk about right now, you can come to the table. What is that criteria for coming to the table? And actually, before we, as we think about that, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, we'll do 17 through 33. Dad, do you want to read that one for us?
4: 1 Timothy what? Oh sorry, first, did I say I first, first, first Corinthians eleven? 11 33, something. Seventeen to seventeen, or 17. to thirty three, yeah.
0: Even with her aids. Yeah, we can do that. Are we ready? Yeah, I'm at thirty-four actually. So just mm. to the end of the chapter. All
2: right.
9: <clears throat> first Corinthians chapter eleven, verse seventeen. But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you can't uh, come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in your eating, each one of you his own supper first and one is hungry and another is drunk what do you not have houses in which to eat and drink or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing what shall I say to you shall I praise you in this I will not praise you Uh, 23 this uh, the Lord's Supper here okay for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant when my blood do this Uh, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. For when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come.
0: Thanks, Dad. <laughs> okay, so... Hey, Jack, wait. Can you just stop there? Um, so we've got 1 Corinthians 11 uh, starting there with verse 17 he starts off with the reprimand he's saying that they're doing it wrong um, before we talk about who should be admitted can we all agree that what they were doing wrong was coming drunk um, not sharing thinking being very self-centered in the whole matter any other major sins there that, that, that show up
4: I have a new book, Geneva, and the translation's a little bit different. For there must be heresies even among you, that they which are approved among you might be known. I hear that there are dissensions among you, and I believe it to be true in some part. So when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. For every man, when he should eat, taketh his own supper afore, and one is hungry and another is drunken. Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? despise you the Church of God and shame them that have not I don't know what was going on there yeah <laughs> like I say some of them showed up drunk and some of them showed up hungry and it, Back
0: up. yeah and the, like f- the, the community factions wasn't there. intended to be dinner well the, the factions there are what your I think uh, dad said was that New, New American Standard that you're reading Geneva. No, 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 that you were. Oh, yes, it was. so yours was heresy. Yours was dissension. This one says factions. Uh, but yeah, so they're they're doing something incredibly wrong here. <laughs> uh, yeah.
6: Well, I think that one of the things that we can glean from other parts of the uh, First Corinthians is that there was a lot of disorder. There was a lot of chaos. Um, we talked about uh, uh, the, uh, the spiritual gifts, right? Spiritual gifts were being misused and they were talking about, you know, hey, you need to talk one at a time. Um, and so I wonder if, I'm trying to figure out what the right way to do this. I would say that there's definitely, there was definitely something wrong going on and to what depth uh, beyond the drunk and hungry part, I don't know. Uh, hmm. But it definitely, uh, you, can, uh, you can get the implication there that it was disorderly. Hmm. And so I think that one of the things that in an effort to please God, our service and our act of communion should be in an orderly manner. Yep.
1: To me, when, when they say, if anyone was hungry, let me to home in uh, earlier one is hungry and other is drunk. You know, to me, it almost sounds like, like literally, that's what was hap- happening. People were showing up and and not treating uh, the bread as what the symbol of that is. They were they were just seeing it as like, oh, you know, walking by the community table and like, yeah, I'm a hungry, pop some food in, and not waiting for, not doing it as a group, and and just treating it just as yeah. any other food. You know, mm. like can you imagine? If, When your little kids walk by and grab a handful of bread and stuff in their mouth, no, no, that's um, (laughs) like that should be somewhat appalling to us, but like we should frown upon (laughs) that. Yeah, and and then the others showing up drunk, like again, not not taking it seriously with with the somber attitude and and the weight of
8: what we're doing. Mm. It seems to me to indicate they were eating. Coming together and having meals, and people were like bringing all their own food to the t- and Some had lots of wine, and some had none. Some had lots of food, mm-hmm. and they were indulgent, and some had none. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Dude, we can't bring that much. And they're just getting together and eating mm-hmm. and, and eating supper like Jesus did, but having bread and the wine, just like a meal. Mm-hmm. And Paul is pointing back to what Jesus said He's like, No, you're supposed to have the bread and the wine in remembrance of Him, not like, Oh. And he's like, why don't you have houses to eat in? Mm-hmm. To me, that that seems to indicate Like they were just sitting down and having a big old feast. And right. Some people couldn't afford that, and you know, other people who had who had uh, you know plenty were right. just overindulging, and you know, yeah. Right?
5: There was also just rampant selfishness. I mean, as far you know, as kind of hoarding your own food and not sharing, being being selfish and and what what are you memorializing here what's the right. commemoration here mm-hmm. it's the most selfless act that's ever been ever happened ever yeah. and never will happen you know the impeccable one coming and end, having all of our sin imputed on him mm. can there be a more selfless act there can't be and yet these people are behaving in such a way that it's 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 an it's absolute disrespect for Christ
4: not yeah. um, forgotten Yeah,
5: instead of remembrance, exactly forgot all about it. It's almost like anti Christ.
9: Well, not only that, you got people that are weak, you got people that are sick, and you got people that are dying, it's not Mm -hmm. they're not catching on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, getting hit with the
0: paddle real hard, still not (laughs) figuring it
5: out. Yeah, they're judgment's being you know, they're right experiencing it, taking judgment upon themselves.
0: How, How do we partake of the like, what do we, based off of this, what is it that makes us? partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Like, it, how can we fail
4: at this? Like, To not think of the original act, I bet, is is how we can fail. To treat it as a trivial ritual.
5: Yeah, that's okay. it's what profane means, to take something sacred and make it common. Uh, you really con-
0: go through confession. Mm. Right? That's Good. why I like the whole service right. that we're practicing. And to me, the whole service is covenant renewal, not just community, not just any part of it. But the whole thing. Great. Yeah.
4: If you have anything against your brother, go and straighten that out first. I,
5: I think that's so, that might be the one of the primary ones. Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to partake of this? Are you going to take partake of me mm-hmm. when you have a, you know, if I have a beef with Lay or something, you know. Right, you—that's you, so you got to look at yourself, yeah. Yeah. and and be real and be honest about that. Right. And if you do, you get up, you get up and go deal with it yep. before you present any gift or anything. At the John, uh,
2: John Piper talked about a church he visited in Germany, where uh, it was a rare thing for anybody to take communion because they were all afraid. You know, they were just so paralyzed by, you know, I don't want to be judged. You know, and he said that was. Just so sad to see, yeah, you know, and, in an
4: unworthy manner, yeah, you know, they all felt they were unworthy,
2: and for a long time, you know, I, you know, even s- today, still, you know, it's before take communion, you know, I mean, I for a long time I wouldn't do it, be like, you know, I wasn't happy with my walk with the Lord, I wasn't satisfied in my sanctification, and I was like, now you know, I, you know I, don't, I don't think I'm there yet, I don't, I don't want to partake in an unworthy mm-hmm. manner and die, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's just where I was. And, I think it brings up a good discussion of how how do you gauge that you know because obviously yeah. we're we have our we have two natures you know we have mm-hmm. our sinful nature still and so like you know you're gonna have shortcomings your whole life you know so so where do you when you're examining yourself where do you yeah. you know is it I'm repentant? I'm seeking Christ I'm looking to Him I'm focused on the cross and you know mm-hmm. is it you say it, it's a good question yeah.
5: I mean um, I remember John Bunyan said. The best prayer I ever prayed had enough sin in it to damn the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean. So it's, you know, you always, uh, I'll, I'll never be worthy. But I, it's not me; it's Christ, and He's, you know, I'm throwing myself at Christ, mm. and, you know, I'm counting on First John one nine to be be true. So, hmm.
3: last, when you say, um. Being profane is taking something sacred and making it.
5: Um, um, common.
3: common. Common. Does that mean that bad language that people use you call it profane language? Was that like sacred? That's a that's, and people make
5: that's it a that's a bit different. And when we're talking, when we're talking in a, in a when we're talking like we are now about you know theology and church and things like that, to take something that is, that is sacred um, and making it just common it's it's I mean there's a lot of examples I think of that when when you get the guy when you get the folks up there with their hats on sideways and the guitars down by their knees and they're strutting around and there's you know they're jamming out and doing all that during a church service I would call that profane because there's there's a lack of reverence and all that that's me me being that me judging them I guess but that it's kind of like that now bad language yeah it It's another... When you look at a dictionary, Charles, and you look a word up, there's usually going to be more than one definition, and the definition is going to be a function of what the context of how you're using it is.
0: But bringing in bad language to a setting where it shouldn't exist is to to profane the
4: situation. Well, it shouldn't exist anyway, correct? And bringing in is even worse.
5: If you say Jesus is my homeboy, that's profane in my book. Maybe One, two,
6: five, you guys. Well, that's my boy right there. <laughs> yeah, I like this. Yeah. I don't that's know either. That's, that's beautiful
5: But right. you yeah. okay. Oh, Jesus is my homie. Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my. It's some my, slang term. It's a, a slang runner term, runner term runner. that just means it's like he's my running partner. My best know, friend. Whatever. Uh, Not very God and very man. And, and I may be overstepping my bounds by saying that, but that's that. Is, that is profane.
8: Hey, I when we start talking Let's about, let be him. quiet. Who's admitted? Kind of bring it back to some of these bigger questions. Mm-hmm. I struggle with this part of 1 Corinthians 11, especially when it talks about examining. You know, when Paul says that let him examine himself, uh, I'll admit that, you know, I've struggled with, with children example, yeah. because I thought, how can a ch- child really examine himself? Paul commands us to do that. How, how, does, that, how does that work? Right, Use so your accountability. Um, maybe you can give me your conviction on
0: that. Well, let's let's put let's put young children, um, or just any. How about any kid that's that can eat, that want that can see food and want it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's put them and those with mental problems. You know, dementia, Alzheimer's, um, autism, mental retardation, those kinds of things, Down syndrome let's put them on the same level as people who intellectually don't have the IQ maybe ever or yet to examine himself or examine themselves. Do they, can they ever come to the Lord's table? Um, or is it for kids? Is it just when they've sufficiently proved it to one of us that they can examine themselves, that we bring them to the table? Um, and, and who get, who determines whether or not they, have sufficient mental capacity to partake of the bread and the wine. That, that would be, that'd be, I just want to put that question side by side because ultimately they're the same thing. Yeah, I, I think
6: that this kind of, uh, I think your decision on who and what age comes to the Lord's table is going to be greatly impacted on uh, by who and what age an individual gets baptized. So if you're a credo-baptist, Position, I think that you're going to probably say, "Huh, well, if I can't, if my child can't articulate the gospel to me, and has not, then how can they examine themselves?" And so, therefore, I'm going to restrict their, I'm going to restrict their approach to the table so that they don't drink and eat judgment on themselves. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's where that's where I think it's. Uh, I think that that's. I think you. Ha- I think you end up having to answer the question of baptism first before you answer that yep. question. In my mind, because I, I kind I, of. I agree. I agree, you, I agree with you, Luke. Like that pops into my head too when I hear that. With the where I hear Paul talking about the examination process. Um, so. I,
5: I, the my ESV. I don't know any, if any you all put any credence in the Bible notes here, but it says. It's very short. I'm King James only. sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's on page two of tonight's agenda. Uh, whoever partakes of the Lord's Supper, Supper must examine himself to see whether he has properly understood the unselfish, atoning nature of Jesus' death for others and how that should be imitated in his own life. That's how the ESV describes... That's the ESV study that, Bible. That, that's the ESV study the Bible crossway. saying... No you know, look at ourselves and see do, one, do we understand the import and, and what Christ has done and for others, and then what's our attitude mm. toward others? Really,
0: so that's the understanding that I grew up with, um, and that's what my, my own father faithfully taught me, and, and so I'm, I'm very familiar with that idea of the Lord's Supper being a time that you think on the death of Christ, mm-hmm. And think about what that death has done for you. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do during the Lord's Supper. But how can any of us really understand the full vastness of that in a, in a, in a comprehensive way, in a worthy way? And, and, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not trying, to, I'm not trying to, to, to talk down on it because I think it's a wonderful thing to do. But how can we truly, worthily understand that?
4: With thanksgiving.
0: So I totally understand Thanksgiving. I understand it's thankful. If
4: that thankful under that means that we understand what was done for us. And don't and forget the, the, of the, the work of the Holy Spirit, Joe. Amen.
0: I i, I, part I there's of the way it works. Absolutely. And that and I think that the Holy Spirit works in such a way that is pre, that presupposes even IQ. I think the Holy Spirit can work in our hearts long before our brains can ever connect the synapse is necessary to understand the theology behind this, which is why I'm not convinced that 1 Corinthians 11, which is, which is really the, 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 the go-to proof text for, for holding back communion from the, even those who've been baptized, if they can't sufficiently examine themselves. This is, the, this is basically the one text in the New Testament that we use for this. I'm, I'm not convinced that that means that those who, I, for all of us sitting here at this table, I think we can sufficiently think about it and understand it, and understand that the body is Christ, that the bread is Christ's body, that the wine is his blood, and that he died for me. I think we all can sufficiently do that there, but there are people who can't. And, and, and yes, the majority of them are covenant kids, those who've been baptized, those covenant kids who've been baptized. But there's also a lot of people with mental faculties that just aren't there and will never be there. And if it's truly a sacrament, do they ever get to get? Do they ever get to partake of Christ like this, or to. is the partaking of Christ primarily an intellectual thing that you need to have a certain intellect to be able to partake? In?
6: Well, I think then the question needs to be asked: What? Uh, what? Beyond the remembrance aspect of the communion is imparted because you're because what we're saying is we're we're saying that there is something that is imparted at the point of consumption to those who cannot intellectually understand and therefore cannot remember. So, what is it that we are denying them beyond the ability to take elements and and participate in remembrance,
5: fellowship and um, you know this this unity uh, this participation in, in in a family meal um, that's what we would be denying them, I think. Um, you know, I would suspect that some people who are, or if they are that disabled I, I would contend their heart is probably more innocent than mine is in, in certain respects. I mean, I, under, I understand you know, original sin and all that, but you know what I'm saying. Um, there's there's things that I've done that that little boy over there hasn't Ab- even approached considering he's, and he's thinking right about. Knife. So I mean, you know, yeah. the, 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 the 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 even even the conf- Catholic confession that they say prior to communion. It says, "Lord, I am not worthy to receive thee, but only say the word and I shall be healed." I mean it, you know, it's, it's a cath- Catholics do that, but the the content of the, the words themselves mm-hmm. are. Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I will be healed. Um, we rely on the word to be healed.
0: The eating of the bread, drinking of the wine. If, if we do that just as an arbitrary thing to trigger in our minds a remembrance of Christ's death, it, it, it seems very bizarre. It seems very bizarre that you need to eat this thing and drink this thing just so that your mind can go somewhere. What seems, yeah, I'm not sure if that makes sense or not, but it's, it's kind of like, um, it's like baptism. If baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality, um, if that's it, then the act of getting wet is arbitrary. It's like, why do we get baptized? It's that, that's arbitrary. But a good Baptist would say, no, your body is being immersed in the water and you're coming out a new man. Or the, the Presbyterian would say, the water is being poured on and it's washing away your sins because that water does something for you. You're buried in it in death and risen up again in new life. It's washed away. You've been baptized for the remission of your sins. Depending on how you view baptism, the water has tremendous significance. And that same thing is true for the Lord's Supper, too. The fact that we're using food is something that you don't need to have an intellect to know you want food. To know that you are a part of the table or not does not primarily require intellect. Now, if you're doing it in an unworthy manner because you're full of selfishness and hatred and heresies like Wink was reading, if that's why, then yes, you need to examine yourself and you need to knock off what you're doing because you're bringing judgment upon yourself. But if you're part of God's family and you're not engaging in that, when, when, when someone reaches to be included in the body and blood of Christ and they've been baptized, they're a part of his, they're a part of his body, they've been baptized into his death and his burial and his resurrection, how can we say no to that? How, how can we excommunicate ourselves if we feel that we have not been good enough this week? Because covenant renewal worship is all about God bringing us, saying you're not worthy, but I'm making you worthy, come into my presence. It's not about intellect primarily. And so the examine, let a man examine himself or let a person examine themselves, does not primarily speak to bread and wine connected up with your thoughts. If, if, you're, if you're early chapter 11 Corinthians, yes, it does. You've got to stop doing the things that you're doing because you need to examine yourself and watch out. But if you are walking in the Spirit uh, in, in, in in union with Christ, if, if you're in union with Christ, you belong at the table. and You cannot excommunicate yourself. That's why we have elders. Elders will excommunicate you if you're living a life of, of unrepentant sin. But you don't have the authority to excommunicate yourself. You don't have the authority to say, "I'm not going to take part- partake of the Lord's Supper this week because I just don't feel like it's been a very good week." That's why we confessed our sin at the beginning. <laughs> that, that's that's my
8: somewhat passionate conviction.
0: Yeah, I, I, I still I I'm
6: still wrestling a little bit with how uh, I'm wrestling with what is being efficaciously imparted then. Because it sounds, like, it sounds like what you're talking about is you're talking about the thing, the object, regardless of your ability to process what that object is, doing something for you. Because I, at this point, we're now talking about, a, I'll, I'll admit a small segment of the population in terms of those who have a mental, mental disabilities that would not allow them to have the aptitude to be able to discern what they were, what they were doing those maybe we'll say 70 and I and below right and children who are if we are as parents restricting them saying hey you know I haven't heard a confession of faith from you it is not it is not never but when right so it's this it's we're, we're waiting for a we're waiting for some fruit mm. to, to, to be demonstrated so I guess my question, my pushback to you would be, sure. what is it that is efficaciously being imparted in the elements that I am denying? What I heard Les say, Les was saying, well, this is about community. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a meal that's shared with mm-hmm. the community of of brothers. Um, but I don't in, think in,
5: in the. I'm talking. I was talking about specifically someone who has a mental disability. Sure. Okay. That, that's, that's okay. be advised, that's the context Okay, that's, was, a, that's the context the of only, that, okay. That's okay. the only context I was okay. thinking about. That.
6: So, and, and, you, and you would say that that, so for, for that for that individual, that is the thing that we are, that is the thing that we would be uh, uh, restricting them from experiencing if we were to yeah. say they, they wouldn't participate. Yeah, you're,
5: beyond them, Maybe somewhere inside and they go, well, I guess I don't belong or mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. part. I don't know. I mean, who can, Dead. who can say, but what I'm saying is no, you, you come and, and mm-hmm. we're, you come because he loves you. Right. You know, right. and it, and that may be just the, the most fundamental thing that you'll ever get through to that person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm yeah. just saying, though.
6: No. I just want I guess I want to be careful not to conflate a mental disability with a child's ability to uh, okay. rationalize an intellect because I think that these are two distinct categories of people and I think that the, the argument to actually bring those two together I think that in my mind is errored because like I said it is not if it's when the child comes to a realization and for that other individual the mental faculties that they have are, uh, are a limitation, and as a result of that, we're going to, much like we work on, hey, we have these general principles, and then we make wise choices as elders, uh, you know, going, hey, okay, no, this, this, is, a, this is a circumstance where we're, we're allowing this person, even though they are not able to, to maybe it's even to the point of uh, speech, like they, they can't articulate, Things at all, right. we're going to allow that person to be at the, at the table. And would
5: call that wisdom, right? Right, and yeah. so that would be that would be wisdom. And, and, and you
6: don't
0: you don't sacrifice the normal for the abnormal. I'm not. I'm definitely not saying that. That's 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 what our culture does. We sacrifice the normal for the abnormal day in and day out. That's like we live for that. Uh-huh. But but what I'm saying is that uh, a young child, very very young, maybe a toddler, has similar maybe a similar mental intellect that sure. uh, that somebody who might have severe autism in might 30 years old. And, and so my, my question is, let's really put to the test here, what does it take to come to the Lord's Supper? And I think most, I think unfortunately, I say unfortunately, but you guys might not say unfortunately, I say unfortunately, most people connect the Lord's Supper with an intellectual activity of theology, much like a catechism. And if it was a catechism, then then it would be a catechism, but it's not, it's food. And anybody can eat. A a little crying baby right out of the womb knows how to be hungry. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now, I know Jesus was not connecting that directly to the Lord's Supper, but the principle is there. The fact that we know how to be hungry. Kids, why do we want to keep the kids in in the service? They can't follow the sermon. That's true, they can't follow the sermon, but they know whether or not they're included, and they know whether or not they're excluded. They can sense inclusion and exclusion faster than you can snap your fingers. And the table of the Lord is the table of inclusion for his people. Okay? Inclusion for his people. So it's exclusive to his people. But anybody who belongs to Jesus belongs at the Lord's table. That that and I and I think that needs to be our standard. And like I said for us, you know, healthy
4: Healthy
6: men and women, and boys and so, girls, we should be examining
4: ourselves. So pragmatic. So oh, sorry. In support. Off. <laughs> <Everyone's upset. laughs> oh. Well, pull I, I up Romans want... uh, one. For the invisible things of him, that is, his, that is his eternal power and Godhead, are seen by the creation of the world, being considered in his works to the intent that they should be without excuse. Everybody has a law of God written in them. And the other thing is, we're not getting something from communion. It's merely an acknowledgment of what Jesus did with the realization of that sacrifice. There's nothing to take away. It's saying, thank you for what I couldn't do to That's, save myself from eternal hell. I think that
0: stands a little bit contrary to what Joe was saying there. Um, we're not Catholic, so we don't believe in transubstantiation. Christ isn't now the, the, the host. We don't believe in consubstantiation where Christ is surrounding it. But we do believe that Christ is spiritually in the bread and in the wine, that's yeah. that is like historic Reformed doctrine and, and even evangelical doctrine that he is spiritually there. And so, what are you getting away from that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I don't know the answer to that because there is um, there is it's it's mystic. I mean, I mean there's, 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 a, there's a if
5: we didn't a get anything from I it, it. it
4: were just commemorative in the Reformed. This tradition. is this
0: is a good a wink. You you. You are you are representing well a, a big portion of the reformed world, but on the other side of that is people who think that it's more than just. Well, there
4: is a presence, yes, indeed. Maybe when we acknowledge that he's there.
6: So I guess practically, because the CREC recognizes that both those who are credo and pedo can hang out under the same banner. Yep. How do they as churches effectively handle the uh, handle the Lord's table when you have what I would call a disunity in, in mind on that with children? Are there some children that are restricted because their parents have made a judgment call that they are credo-baptists? And then are there some that are like, just yes. It, go okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, because baptism is you first you first are baptized in the Red Sea, then you eat the spiritual food in the wilderness. That's that's the pattern, and that's one pattern that Paul talks about. But all throughout the the, the law, you see if you're offering a sacrifice before God, you first you go through a washing, and then you then you offer the sacrifice, and you generally get to eat the sacrifice too. Um, and so so yes, if if a, if a family is convicted that. Their kids need to have a confession, a creed, before they're baptized. God bless you. The only requirement we have as a church, I'm speaking for all of us as a CRC church, is that you be baptized. Not, and not even that you have that you come before the elders and make you know your profession of faith and you defend your thesis that you understand that the body is, is Christ, or the bread is the body and the blood is the wine and all that. It's just, have you been baptized? Have you been brought into the visible church? If you're in the visible church, you're one of Christ. He put His name on you, and so therefore, who are we to hold back His body and His blood from you? Now, if you've been under church discipline, if you've been excommunicated, you you can't come because that's that's the whole reason why the keys of the kingdom were given to the church so that we can so that we can guard His um, so that we can guard the, the, the table, um, and, and only in in that set situation, not determining whether or not your your um, confession is sincere enough. I, I go to church right now, and I love them dearly, but they you have to go to the, the elders, and they have to determine whether or not you have a credible profession of faith, or not, before they'll let you come to the table. I am I am very uncomfortable with that, because I don't want to be in the position where I'm determining whether or not somebody actually has, is actually in a position where um, I, I say, yep, I, you're definitely a believer, or you're not a believer. If you're doing things that are Um, Inconsistent with the, you know, if you're doing things that are consistent with the with the kingdom of God, that's what I expect. If you're not, then then you are doing the deeds of darkness. Then you're going to come under church discipline. Matthew 18 is going to apply. But those, but it's not my feeling on whether or not your profession of faith is credible or not. So in a long-winded way, yes, there would be a certain level of disunity amongst the kids. Yeah, but there were, that would have already existed anyways because they some would be baptized and some wouldn't be baptized, so it would just be an extension of the baptism. That, that's why I think right. that this is. I think that the other
6: question is m- almost as right. important, if not. Oh, I mean, I think that this is a good discussion, but I right. think that the other question needs to be answered. The discussion of baptism. The discussion of baptism right. needs to be more fully yeah. fleshed out. It's, it's,
8: it's, <laughs> I got you right, Just from the, the official CRC stance is, yes, baptized before the table. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's and that's actually in the bylaws. Okay. Wait.
2: I was wondering who is uh, who is responsible if somebody isn't worthy and partakes, but they're not mentally engaged enough to discern themselves. Is it the elders or the people who are in charge of that person? I would uh, oh like if somebody doesn't have high enough
0: IQ to examine right. Who determines like, that? Like if they're if would they're it be not. head of household or the other? Yeah. yeah? I would say the head of household, but but once again the same question would be applied. This thirty year old guy with that's got severe autism has he been baptized? Has he put on Christ? If he's put on Christ, we know that faith is not um, an assurance of things that you know. It's a it's assurance of things that you hope for. Do we believe that that childlike faith? can exist in somebody with severe mental problems? Yeah. Of I course think. we do. like <laughs> Faith. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> Joe, uh, it seems like a lot of things you have to say are just kind of
9: ancillary things, because he clearly says you need to examine yourself. Right. So that's Charles' job, that's yep. your job. Yep. And it's not going to be Luke's job to say, so how are things here to examine? Yeah. You exam- so, so that's a done deal. We already, I mean, if you do it wrong, then you're drinking, and or you're participating judgment to yourself. Right. And you can include your kids with it, too. If
4: God doesn't like that, he'll figure um, he that this, out. The Holy you. Spirit should let you know about it, basically. That should be the guide. Anyway, even for the parent, if you make a mistake, they'll make it aware. Or make you aware yeah. of it.
9: So there we are. we we're, we're so here's the thing. here's the group and uh, and it feels a little this way, looks that way a little bit. And and uh, whatever. So we're so we're good. We're good there. Yeah. And I'm not saying we can't keep discussing this stuff. Right. But I mean, um, you know, what IQ and and all of that. Uh, some of this stuff I think you have to kind of run into a little bit. To see how you handle it. Uh, for instance, what does Hatcher do with his oldest eldest son that is severely handicapped? I have no idea. Right. Um, yeah. They must have figured something out. It, it, so I'm, I'm not trying to cut off the discussion, right. but I, but I don't think some of the arguments. You know, about a child knows he wants food and all that. I, I'm not sure how much that even applies. The scripture doesn't really talk about that. It clearly talks about examining yourself. So, Leif, you're recently married. It won't be hard to examine yourself, who your prime combatant will be to clean up things. Ron has issues, Kirby had. I mean,
6: <laughs> so we're but you're doing fine, ourselves. right? You're doing okay? Yeah, all, I, all
9: I'm yeah. saying is it seems like sometimes we're just beating some yeah. stuff to death
0: here. Now, If I can push back a little bit on that, we're, we're talking about something that's extremely controversial. Who gets to come to the table? You're going to exclude somebody. And so right now what I'm saying is the only people who should be excluded are non-Christians because this is the table for God's people. And guess and, what? Some of those guys will slip by you whether you know it or not. And, and, and so God can protect himself as far as that right. as far as that goes. We exactly. are the secret things belong to the God. Judge that belong to last week.
1: Yeah. You know, man,
0: man can only look on the outward appearance. God's the only one that can look at the heart. We know that to be true, but we still have to make the terms. We still have to guide people every Lord's day that we have communion. We need to tell them, should you come or not? And, and and yes, you should come and no you should not exclude yourself just because you had a bad week but you definitely shouldn't come if you haven't been baptized if you if you don't love Jesus then don't then don't come to the table um, yeah so.
9: no, I'm, I'm good with it I mean I, I, I think most people are going to come up with a dividing line and, and somebody's going to say eh, these little tiny kids probably not they can't really examine themselves etc cetera. Sure. Et cetera. And you could hold different, you know. And there we are. I mean, that's not bad unity. It doesn't have yeah. to be perfect. We're in, not lockstep and with brown
1: shirts on here. Yep,
0: exactly. So, so on in terms of, I know that there's been a little bit of uh, a little bit of pushback on the idea of baptism preceding the Lord's supper. Um, so I, I didn't print off a bunch of these, but um, there is the Baptist Faith and Message because I know a lot of a lot of us hold to a Baptist uh, conviction. Uh, the Baptist Faith and Message is kind of like a handbook for Reformed Baptists. And um, they have a short section on baptism and the Lord's Supper, um, and they talk about they talk about the Lord's Supper. Um, uh, all Christian groups which practice baptism hold that it should precede the Lord's Supper. Baptists say the same thing. Um, and then there's a congregationalist discussion attached to it. This guy's a congregationalist, um, and he says, um, uh, "Let's see." Uh, every Christian tradition has historically affirmed: Presbyterians, Anglicans, Lutherans, Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholics, Baptists. It's baptism first, and then the supper. So, if if you're struggling with that, I've got I've got some handouts here for you to, to look through. Um, you guys can take them with you if you want. Um, if if it's if it's something that you're struggling with, um, well, right before we we close up, just real quick on um, is. Does anybody have an issue with us? And, and this isn't so much like a vote, but just like, do we need to talk about not doing it more, you know, doing it more often, less often than once a week? Communion. Yeah. It should be every. It should be every week.
5: It's yeah. the cornerstone of the service. Yeah.
0: Right? I totally agree. I just some,
8: but I've I've got that as a question. Hoffman. Uh,
4: URC go? it was monthly, but right. Yeah. I don't know.
8: I think, I think BCC, based on, based on what we're believing, what what I think we have some pretty good unity on believing. This covenant renewal worship, that it is biblical, that it is good, that communion is. Why wouldn't it? Yes, communion must go along
5: with that. I pass back. Can I read? read? There's about four sentences here. Oh, yeah. Tertullian. Tertullian, Tertullian. yeah, absolutely. The Lord's Supper has played an important part in the church's life from its beginning. It was usually celebrated in a special gathering of the church. In the evening of the Lord's Day in combination with a regular meal or agape feast, which must be distinguished from the Eucharist. The one worship service was soon split into two parts. The first, the administration of the word was also open to catechumens, penitents, and unbelievers. The second, the celebration of the Lord's Supper was open only to those who had been baptized. Gotcha. So they kind of they left unbelievers, right. people who were fledgling and trying right. to figure it out, let, let them out. in. And then the second part was strictly for those who were, belong
0: to the Lord. Okay, Um, let's talk about wine first, and then leavened bread, and then I think we can kind of close this up. Um, I think where we're at right now as a a group, um, I don't think anybody's like dead dead set against wine being present. I think. Oh yeah, go
1: ahead. Uh, That's an email to the group. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You can read it. Um, well, as far as concerning wine, he thinks that using wine is not probably not a good idea because of what alcohol in the world. Uh, I don't think we want a bunch of different options either, And the gluten free, lemon, unleavened. We should pick one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for remembering to read that. Um, yeah. So in terms of using wine, I have a really wonderful packet here. I only printed off three of them because they're pretty long, but you can get this all online. It's called Protestant Transubstantiation, which is, it's a it's a joke title because um, it's basically, to, to give you the thesis right out of the gate, it's basically a defense of why we should use wine and not grape juice in the Lord's Supper. Um, I, I was blessed when I read it, so you guys can, can grab one if you want, and I can also send out the PDF um, on it. I'm in favor of wine. I think we should all use wine, but I understand this is 21st century America. We have a a bad history with alcoholism in this country, and because of that, um, we're the only country. Apparently, the Corinthians had a little trouble too. No, oh, uh, sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to say that we're the only country that's ever had a problem with alcoholism, but like we're the only country that has ever, I think, successfully enacted something like prohibition. And so, with something like prohibition. Similar to something like masking, it was extraordinarily controversial at the time, and we're still kind of reeling. Uh, maybe reeling is an overstatement, but we're still um, dealing with the fallout of that. Um, and and so, I'm good with using wine along with grape juice, um, as long as it's done in such a way that it's not that it's not separating people. So, like in our church, and uh, the way we've I've always seen it done is you put them both in the same tray. Outer ring is grape juice. Everything else in the middle is wine or vice versa, however you want to do it. But that way people can take wherever their conscience is at right then and, uh, or, you know, wherever their conscience is at at that point in their life and, and not feel like they're separated there. Uh, any,
4: any thoughts on that? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we're talking about regulative and normative principle. Why did they have wine at the Last Supper? It was more ordinary Okay, oh, yeah. that. Water could have algae in it. The wine wouldn't. The wine kept better in that climate, so it wasn't a big a deal. So the other thing is that children exposed to wine don't turn into alcoholics, generally speaking. So, sure.
1: thank you. Just going back to what we're talking about, you know, transcultural. You know, is is this just a cultural uh, thing? You know, do we have a Transcultural,
5: uh, yeah. So. Right? Yeah. For me, Joe, you hit it when you said, if, if we can do it in a manner that doesn't demonstrate a separation. Right. So, I mean, I think that's... <coughs> cool. yeah.
9: Every other one. Less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to, it's Pray
5: really cram- hard that <laughs> <laughs> you don't get the wrong one. Well, you know, your son was very gracious to me. He talked to me about it. I mean, I'm you know, I'm in recovery myself. And, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. I,
9: I have a limited mental ability, so I stay away from all alcohol. But we still
4: <laughs> let you do the Lord's <laughs> Supper.
9: Yeah, I think I can handle that level.
0: Wow. <laughs> the... the um, uh, if if you know the transcultural thing is it's a great question, Kirby and and Keith Matheson in that in that article talks about that. Uh, one of the major themes is that the theology of wine is spread throughout all of Scripture, and so it's not. His, his take is that it's not a cultural thing uh, from the standpoint of like yeah, wine is cultural, absolutely. Uh, it's cultural in every culture, but that it it, it visibly shows the um, the, uh, the the blessing of God when God takes away. The wine from his people, he's taken away his blessing. And so wine is a symbol of God's blessing. It's, it's a symbol of God's um, his overabundance of love upon us. He, he gives causes our cup to overflow um, with, with this. So, once again, I'm good with us using both. Uh, as long as everybody's good with there being wine present and we'll have to figure out how to make sure we get that ratio fairly close so that everybody gets the one that their conscience is at right now. Because... Um, and I think the same thing should be for the for the bread. I'm totally good with using gluten free, even though I agree with you. I mean, I, William's not supposed to have gluten, but if I would never take withhold the supper from him because it was gluten, because what what kind of trusting God in faith is that? <laughs> but um, but I think if you use gluten free bread, I think that's fine. The the bigger question is the leaven. Um, I think leaven is a picture of the gospel. Uh, Jesus says that uh, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf until the whole loaf is is filled, and that's what the gospel is. The gospel is going out into the world. It's it's like leaven um, uh, infiltrating it... every part of the world, and so that is why we use leaven bread in the in the in during the Lord's supper. Yeah, Charles, go ahead. Doesn't leaven represent
3: sin in the Bible? It also
0: it also can represent um, uh, false teaching. It can... Leaven
4: of the Pharisees. Yep, exactly. It mm-hmm.
0: yeah, also is required in the. Sacrifice, right?
4: Required. Yeah. Any
0: other? Any other thoughts on leavened versus unleavened? I eat them both. <laughs> Can we do a salad? <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, it was like uh, a marble ride. Yeah, that's a marble <laughs> ride. Leif, <laughs> well, I, I know that you—it uh, was kind of your idea to talk about communion. Did did you do you have any thoughts on that whole leaven versus unleavened or wine grape juice?
2: You know, I I'm, I don't think I'm informed enough on sure. The, yeah, you know, the, uh because you know, it was unleavened bread at Passover, right? Yeah. And so um, that when Jesus was instituting it, it was unleavened. So I could see why someone would. Say, so, you know, I think we should do it unleavened because that's what Jesus originally did. Right. Then, you know, I see what you're saying too. Right. It represents the gospel. It, you know.
4: Um, it was because they left Egypt them. in such haste that they didn't have time for the bread to rise. Right. Yeah. right.
2: Yeah. So yeah. I think I'd have to think about that for a little while. And, right. Because that's kind of a, you know, because if you're going to follow a regulative, you could say, well, that's what Jesus did. It was unleavened, you know. Right. But of course, I don't know if he's necessarily instructing the church to use unleavened bread. You know, explicitly either um, it could have just been was
0: there. Okay, so, yeah. First Corinthians ten talks about them eating the bread from the, the manna in the wilderness, and you know, I know manna means what is it? So, did, did manna have <laughs> leaven in it? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, think so. Yeah, like a coriander seed, right? Mm-hmm. Seed cake type thing, but who knows? Yeah, I I think that the the Passover connection with the Lord's Supper is good. And I think that if if you only look at the Passover connection to the Lord's Supper, you're missing out on... The Lord's Supper is every feast in the Old Testament now into one. The it's Testament. Every, it's, well, it's every feast in the Old Testament now perfected oh, yeah. in the New Covenant. And so, yes, it was Passover, but it was every one before that, too. But. Great. Well, that was awesome. Um, I've... Uh, we were laughing just so who's, many things. Who's
5: gonna, that, who's gonna get is. bent out of shape about what Freddy is? Right? What's that? I mean, who's gonna get too bent out of shape about what What people Freddy do? Is? Yeah, yeah. It, but I also... Okay.
4: It, but it's like, naive,
5: we, 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 gotta, I guess. we gotta figure
0: it out, you know? Like, um, uh, I used to have a joke when we went to Calvary that uh, this styrofoam wafer represents the bread, which represents Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, so right. you know, because if, if you don't talk about it,
1: then you end up with uh, with the little yeah. styrofoam pieces. So, so uh,
0: Get to make some more.
1: we just went up to Trinity the, the one time, and you said it's different now with COVID. Uh, how they do their communion as far as. For everyone that wasn't there, they passed. When you walk in, they would hand you a uh, ziplock mm-hmm. bag, uh, a little party-sized bottle of wine, and a chunk of bread, mm-hmm. and then the family would break right. mm-hmm. out the pieces. How how is that typically done? What there? we were there on
0: Easter, and and they were back to the normal way of doing it, which is that the elders serve the congregation. So. Um, uh, because the elders are overseeing the Lord's Supper, they're the ones distributing it. Um, and they have, it's kind of similar that somebody in the church makes the bread. They were ripping it up beforehand, so you just took a, a hunk of bread off. A lot of times what they'll do, though, is, um, and I don't know if they if Trinity does this or not, but our church in Spokane would break the loaf into several pieces, and then as it came by, you tore off the piece. Because this, you know, this is the body of Christ, and I'm a part of it. And so you're, you know, and they encourage you take a hearty piece. You know, this is not a, this is not a, 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 this symbolically should be a feast, not symbolically a crumb. You know, it's not a feast any way you look at it. You know, not a literal one. But that that was the way they did it: is that you'd actually rip one so, up. Uh, which, you know, I, I'm, I, I love, I love that too. And I know, I know, our group is not very sensitive about COVID. Uh, What's that? Oh, thanks. Oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> go ahead. What? You can go to crazy extremes. And I guess the question is how, you know, I'm not saying anything to mention, that, but
7: I will. I haven't mentioned it yet. I haven't ever heard anybody mention it. But there were no women in this meeting. The, the women were not there when they did the, the communion. Hmm. Biblically, there's not a single woman that has ever had communion.
1: Mm-hmm.
7: Plus, they all drank from the same cup. They pass it around. Does that have some symbolism that ooh we're not missing somehow? I'm not going crazy here, but sure. there are extremes and you know, we want to be deliberate in our decisions. Right. And there's
0: common cup communion and stuff Did there they too. have a common cup? Yeah. I mean that, Did that they pass it? And that's sure. the Catholic because okay. they give yeah. yes they give communion to the people now, right? They like wipe the white wipe it and Turn it yeah. In Man, I, <laughs> I bailed back in the sixth. You know. <laughs>
5: well, sold this time. I felt they back had their, their the own thing. <laughs> an <laughs> <on. laughs>
4: their own, right. their you know, know, your your own glass, glass, you know. I, see <laughs> <right there. laughs> I first, You looked at me though with judgment in, in, you in, in, in
6: your, it,
3: your eyes. Drink from it all. Right.
5: Yeah. It was love. Yeah, you're right. If oh, go ahead. Less. You want to? You want to finish off? No, those comments you make. It's so kind it of so like. You know, where does it, it stop or sure. where does it begin or where does it stop or continue or whatever? Right. I mean, you can just, you can beat this thing. To, to the point to where to we the, think we're doing it You can legislate it, right. it to all. the nth degree yeah. and actually we'll be here in three years talk, trying to figure out how to start the church. Right. Whatever, you know, yeah. so you got to kind of just. But
6: I think they'll we'll, go I was going to say, I think that's that exactly why at the very beginning, when we were talking about the regulative principle being on a spectrum, like if you mm-hmm. really start just going for it, you end up missing out on the spirit and you become pharisaical about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Right? So, and then nobody's worthy to come to the table and nobody's ever going to do it right because you're trying to. Right. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. not yep. even in the same time period. We could pass This happened 2,000 years ago. Like, how yeah. are we going to yeah.
7: teleport back in? At the same time, Tassie just talked about women in the head covering. Whatever happened to that? Well, no. we well, haven't addressed that. They were there, but
4: to keep—they weren't—they just supposed to hold silence. You're supposed to ask your husband when he got home. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well,
6: whatever happened <laughs> <that was laughs> last yeah. yeah. yeah, that? Go back. <laughs> go back and listen. <laughs> that was a winner. <laughs> let,
0: let me let me just end our talk here tonight with. Um, I don't really have a lot of updates on locations in terms of where we're going to start um, worshiping when we do. Um, Did you find out anything on Cascade?
8: Um, Where there's a grange hall to rent. Probably not going to be anything available right now. At Cascade. Um, (laughs) uh, You mentioned you mentioned one other location. It's very close to here. It's three
0: floors up <laughs> Up top of that Elks building. <laughs> they had an elevator, we could do it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that might be a problem. But, uh, so, yeah, right. Um, anyway, so, uh, well, three
5: floors? It's all the way up about that? Not everybody's young as you, but yeah, not everybody's uh, in the spring. Anyway, but
8: actually, um, I don't know, not, not all. Is lost there, yep. if There might be uh, some potential for, um, it may be hard for okay. Them. What about Lewis but,
4: County Mall? Don't they have a lot of empty space?
8: I, I, you know, I called them, I
0: couldn't get anybody on the, the phone. I went to their website, I couldn't see any empty spaces. No management right? people I to think, talk to.
4: I
1: think Joe Rosbach, the guy that owns Joe's outdoors, uh-huh. I think he's the one that kind of manages
8: the, the mall. Space. Okay, it
1: okay. may just be uh, just the board that's in
0: yeah, the mall would be, there would be lots of good things about the mall, with parking and, you know. Yeah, parking, for yeah.
4: sure. The Sears the, end of the building. Was the Sears,
8: Sears has paper over it now. Right. I don't like some, just don't want people looking in there.
0: But. Right. Okay. Yeah. Any other location thoughts from anybody? So, so just to, to bring you, Wink, up to speed, we had there's the Forge Prairie Grange. That's over by, the, um, by Lincoln Creek Lumber. Mm-hmm. And that's that is available on Sundays. It's pretty expensive, <clears throat> two hundred fifty dollars per day to, to rent it. So we'd be looking at about a thousand a month. Um, we're going to be moving out of this spot probably in the next month or so. And so this is about I think eleven hundred dollars a month. So we could just keep this space and we could meet here. Um, we were looking at Cascade School, and then Luke also was thinking about uh, no uh, no promises yet, but thinking about. He's got some space at the at his uh, location that might fit us.
4: What yes. about the Christian school? Are are they yeah, not uh, wanting that to continue? No, or
0: the uh, no, they they would love to have us there, but uh, the uh, Evergreen Christian Center is using it already on Sunday mornings. Oh,
4: so, oh, Monday morning on Sunday mornings. Sunday
8: mornings. We want to go to Sunday morning. I it's see. Open in the evening,
4: but not in the morning. Right, I got it. So, what um, about so the so I day do day have day. the upper yeah. room, you know. It's yeah, <laughs> <of> is it is <laughs> an upper room. <laughs> That's true. <Come laughs> I wonder if they have wine up there.
1: <laughs> and the Christian school charges the same two hundred
0: fifty. Uh, I think that's about yeah. I don't. I don't think the two hundred fifty is like out unheard of. It's just it's expensive for a new new church, like newly formed church. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if anybody. I, I have not called on the SDA church, the Seventh Adventist Church. Um, so okay. So I can I can reach out to them and, and find just, out if they're doing anything.
5: I just so, remember you guys bringing yeah, it up last.
0: Time. Right. Right. Awesome. Any other any other uh um, points on the do it my back. Yes, yeah, right. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real. Right. All right. Well, um, let's see, Jack Boy. Do you want to close us in prayer? Yes.
1: Okay, nice and loud so we can hear you, buddy. Um do anything you should say, please help us
3: to find a building for a church. And please help us? Uh, um, have and please help Wells Cross to go away.
9: Amen. 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 Thanks, Jay. Amen. <laughs> well done, <laughs> brother.